0: Radio V. Radio in TV. Radio in TV.
1: Jake and I are back. We are here to talk about some things, and we have Josh Sabarra. <laughs> I, I like to say you, I your love name. the role of the R. Yeah, I <laughs> like that. Yes, yeah, Sabarra. Um,
2: People either think I'm Latin La- or that I we own the Pizza Place. Oh, is that? And I always <laughs> have to explain that <laughs> it's not Sparrows. <laughs> and if I did own the Pizza Place, would I be here <laughs> doing interviews? No. No, you wouldn't? Well, for you, but. Oh, not I get in it.
1: I get it. So we are. Um, We are back with another episode of Truth Serum. Thank you to everybody who uh, has been along the ride with us. They've been so supportive on social media and we're really happy because we get to talk about whatever we want to talk about here. We don't call it Truth Serum for nothing. And uh, we start off talking about current events and we'd love for you to chime in. Um, There was a high school that had a protest. I don't know if you read about this. Children walking out of the schools because a transgender young woman was using the bathroom. And uh, so, the, the kids just started walking out of the school and about 200 300 kids marched out and said they refused to be in use the bathroom with a, a girl that had a penis and it's become like a really really big um, a big ordeal and so I wanted to talk about that because I think that in this in light of this whole Bruce Jenner Caitlyn Jenner thing we've gotten so caught up with the whole celebrity aspect of being transgender that we have forgotten all of the people who we don't see about on television and don't have millions of people supporting them on social media and don't have access to, um, you know, the resources that Caitlyn Jenner does. And those are the people that I, that I, that my heart is with, you know, I give a damn about Caitlyn Jenner. So um, what do you think about that? What do you guys think about that? Jake's father was... um, what do we call your father, Jake? Uh,
3: you know what, man? I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm even kind of ignorant in what to call my own dad because, you know, I for a long time I just called him like a, a transvestite, right. but he went through and had the entire like surgery and everything transgender transgendered. So like, but I don't think that was a term when that happened because that was like for me it was like 1987 or something, and I'm not sure that we were, um, you know knowledgeable enough to call it transgendered as opposed to like transvestite, transsexual. Well,
2: I assume that the word uh, transsexual has been retired.
1: Has it? I, yeah. I,
2: I mean, I would I make that assumption. I don't know if that's a correct assumption. But yeah, I, uh, I considering know. that people who are transgender, you know, say that it has n- nothing to do with sexuality per se, but more about feeling like they were born into the wrong body is that um, really it has nothing to do with sex. Like, you could have somebody who uh, transitions into, uh, you know, a man who transitions into a woman who still wants to be with men. Right. You know, so does that make, you know, so I, I don't know, I, I feel like the term transsexual might be outdated
1: Got it. So, if you and that
2: transgender tra- has replaced that. I might be wrong. I mean, people can call in and correct me. I, but I don't. I'm more than happy to fight with anybody. Absolutely. So you
1: know, if you have so
3: then has transvestite disappeared then also. Or well, is a transvestite that a different thing?
2: is somebody who wears women's clothing or wears the opposite gender's clothing. That, but that has. So, what does vestite mean? I don't know. Look it up. Let's see the definition. Do I look like Merriam-Webster?
1: If you have, uh, <laughs> if you want to chime in and contribute. <laughs> We'd love to hear your input, 855-878-4652. But this is the very reason why I think that education is so important. So this is the very reason because we are talking about this stuff on such an adult level and we forget about the young people who are still in transition, still confused, all of them, the ones that are straight, the ones that are gay, the ones that are transgender, and we just, we've, we've neglected to, because we cannot ignore the feelings of these straight girls and how they feel about the situation because of they, they're not educated on the situation. They have no concept of what it is to be a transgender person and they really feel like they're being, their rights are being violated because they have to share a bathroom with a transgender woman who has a penis. And I think that that is just, that is what we keep missing. We keep fighting and we go, we get on social media and we start calling people, you know, transphobic and we we do not educate people on stuff like this. And then we hold them accountable for being ignorant about it. And that's my my argument about this.
2: Well, that really starts at home. I mean, when you're talking about school age children, you know, they, uh, you know, kids really don't have you know they adopt the views of their parents i mean look we all take on the religion of our parents until we're old enough to either you know know what the religion means and make another make an alternative decision or we stick with the one that we that you know that we were raised with but it's sort of the same thing you know what you learn and you know what your parents sort of impart
1: but you're also talking about a great percentage of the nation who hasn't been educated on this as well And it's just like a lot of people, even when it comes to race relations, like we people get really upset and say, you know, these people in this particular city, they're very, very racist there. And that's all they know sometimes. They have not been educated. They haven't been, they haven't had an open dialogue about this has been passed on from generation to generation. And as uncomfortable as it gets for us, we're gonna have to delve into the nucleus of that if we really want to see some changes. Or if not, that shit is gonna continue. Right. You know, there will be continuous generations of people that hate black people, gay people, transgender people. Now, I will say this: um, the young woman did speak up for herself. She's been she she's been uh, trans. She's transitioned at the age of thirteen when mm-hmm. she decided that and has done it for four years. And now mm-hmm. in high school,
2: this is she was doing it before it was in. Yeah. Exactly. I joke <laughs> no but i like it i like it i winked back now we're all you know mm-hmm. it's all about transgender right now yeah it it's is it's hip. A,
1: it, it is hip you know. but the thing about the 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 girl was when she said there was a time where um black people white people didn't want black people to go in this is the young woman didn't want uh black people to go into the bathroom and she made a reference to slavery, and I really want people to stop doing this. You do not have to compare your struggle to another for it to be validated. You can just have your transgender struggle without relate, without comparing it to slavery slavery went on for 400 years the skin the skin color of people which they cannot change or hide it's not the same thing and it gets pretty pretty annoying to have to hear that over a time it kind of takes away the juice of your own struggle when you feel like you have to have it validated through slavery it's like everybody does that everybody the the transgender people I retweeted someone that used the word tranny on Twitter. I didn't realize they used the word tranny. They came for me. They they started, you know, they said this is the N-word. And I was like, it's not the N-word. It's the T-word. It's two different, they're two different words. What's been attached to the N-word in the black community has nothing to do with choices because you don't, you don't choose to be black. Right. You know, and I just think. Well, but I think
2: arguably people who are transgenders, you know, say that they didn't choose to be born into the body that they were bo- that right. he or she was born into. Um, I do also think, though, that people are, you know, it's, we've, we've gotten to this point where everybody is so PC yeah. that you can't even open your mouth anymore. No. Like, everybody's afraid to open their mouth, afraid to tweet something, post something on Facebook, because there's a, there, there's a, a mob that's ready to come after you at anything you say. And, you know, some people are more evolved in how they talk about particular subjects and some people are not. And you can't really just slam – I mean, basically right now, I mean, every, you could say anything and get slammed yeah. to the wall. Yeah, no, we – I mean, oh, we, sure. I mean you know, if every- you, you know, post a sentence without a comma and it's two independent clauses, watch the fuck out for the grammar police. Yeah, no, You know what I mean? True. It's like everybody calm down. It's like there's no way to learn anything or get – you know, become more enlightened about subjects if we can't talk about them openly. And I understand there are certain words we should and shouldn't use, but for the most part, it's like, let people, you know. Breathe. Breathe and speak and share ideas. You know, if everybody's afraid to open his or her mouth, you know, we're, I think we're in an even worse place.
3: Mm-hmm. One thing that we've talked on here before about uh Kind of like gay people co opting the black struggle and trying to com- make the comparison that they have the same thing. Cultural going on.
2: appropriation. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> I
3: think in this situation with transsexuals. Gender. Genders. Genders, I'm sorry. I think with transgenders, there's a little bit more of a similarity here than there is between gay and black and trans and black. Because if you're like a gay guy walking down the street, I can't tell if you're gay or straight. I have no idea. Um, if you're black and you're walking down the street, I can tell that you're black. If you are trans and walking down the street, I can probably tell that you're trans. So no, I, not, not all the time. I worked for Cirque du Soleil and, um, we, every night we would tell who was straight and who was, um, who was, uh, just a beautiful woman. Uh, I, I can tell the difference. It's going to be very hard. I, to tell.
1: I know some transgender women that you would not know the difference. I guarantee you.
3: There, there's no way, like it, biologically, like uh, just your neck alone, your knuckles. No, like, to no get
1: those shaved down. There's there are women that are transgender women that would have to tell you that they are women. I I know I know a few that people don't know are trans women.
2: I've uh, seen that too, where you would have no idea,
1: you know. But I understand what you're saying. Um, I just think that it's it's un, it's so sad that. Okay you know, that those kids are up in arms and all of them. Because I think that the, it's so unfortunate that, that whoever is in this situation is, is feeling like they are not being heard. And I think the parents really, really need to take all of those kids' feelings into consideration because it's a problem. And unfortunately for the, the transgender kid, those are usually the ones that end up killing themselves or the ones that get beat up. It's not the straight kids that are getting beat up and jumped for being straight or and and not to implicate that this person is is homosexual. But it's just it, the kids that are in the LBGT community are the ones that are the ones that are victims to violence and hate crimes, not the straight kids. We need to have a conversation about this. We need to talk about it. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back And you um, fucking grown-ups need to be the fucking grown-ups in these kids' lives Because these kids need some damn direction All right, Truth Serum, we'll be right back I tell my mama I love
0: but this I like, Lord knows Twenty of them in my Chevy, tell them all to come and get me Reaping everything I sow, so my karma come and heaven. No preliminary hearings on my record I'm a m******, can't stand silence for the record Tell the world I know it's too late
3: V. What
2: did you play opposite Andy Eric? Do you remember?
3: Uh, Andy and I worked as uh, two employees at a network. Okay. Oh, you're and forgetting the other uh, thing. I played. I played. I played a news anchor, and he played a reporter.
1: Okay. But the other thing you did, the thing you did on the Andy Dick show, who did you play to Andy? Oh, uh, is is that play my sister? You played his
0: wife, Denise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you played his wife. <laughs> yeah.
3: You so what's wrong with that, Eliza?
0: Yeah. Nothing's wrong with it. He's it's got just, a great
3: range as an actor.
0: It, you know? Yeah, it just was funny.
3: Encounters with Eric and Eliza Roberts, Wednesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on T Radio V. Hey, geeks, wake up. We've got big news. I'm not going to mumble this time. Geekscape, the long-running movie video game... Color. Let me do one more. Hey, geeks, we got big news. Geekscape, your favorite show about movies, video games, comics, and TV, is coming to T Radio V. Monday, October 6th and it'll be on every monday from then on at 7 p.m. until the apocalypse happens we're all eating my zombies <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Nelbandian, and be sure to watch my show, Inside Metal, which airs live every Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on T Radio V. I'm gonna be bringing in the greatest heavy metal artist live right here in the studio. Once again, every week at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, every Tuesday,
0: right here at tradiov.com, Radio in TV. Mac 11 if you boom with the face down. Skimming. And let me tell you about my life.
2: Painkillers only put me
1: in a twilight.
0: Where pretty Benjamin is the highlight.
2: I tell my mama I love her, but this what I like. Lord knows. Kendrick
1: Lamar. We're That's a really right. good picture of you. Very glamorous. Oh, thank you. What, um, so also in the news, um, the author of the new, the new author of the James Bond Books said that Idris Elba was too street to be James Bond and not suave enough.
2: And maybe that guy is just too boring to write a James Bond. I
1: know. But then the Twitterverse went crazy. And um, uh, of course, he ended up apologizing. And I thought that it was interesting because a lot of people feel that that is just masks racism it's mm-hmm. just you know just tell the truth you don't want a black dude to be James Bond the same way you don't want a black girl to be Annie these are fictitious characters though so right. I think uh, Idris Elba is very smooth I think he's very I don't think he's street at all I think he's a very regal in his in in his Hollywood I mean I've you're talking Idris. to
2: I mean I have a I have a crush on him so you know you're not going to get you, me to say
1: but do you think mm-hmm. he could be James Bond
2: then I mean Look, the whole, have you ever seen a James Bond film that's believable anyway? <laughs> I mean, by that logic, then maybe we shouldn't have a car flying from one open bridge to the next or somebody flying through a glass window and surviving. No more outrageous than that. I mean, you know, like I sa- like you said, it's sort of a fictional character, and I think it's, you know, who that, I think I think James Bond, th- the idea of James Bond, it, you know, encompasses certain traits and certain, you know, but I don't know that the color of the skin is one of those. I think it's about his smarts and his ability, and what does that matter whether he's, you know. But, you know, I also think when people are attached to, you know, on the flip side to that argument is when people are attached to certain characters that are written a certain way, then that's how they see them. You know, just like Annie, you know, when you would see the cartoon strip, she was always white. Right. But that doesn't mean that, it, that there can't be other interpretations of that story. Yeah, I thought Quivagenet did a good job. I watched it. Just the fact that you can say Quivagenet.
1: <laughs> and I, lo- I thought Jamie Foxx was really good in it because Jamie Foxx, I'm sorry, my daughter is calling. Everybody knows about my daughter. Are you okay?
2: Um, okay, anyway, we'll, we'll have about our own show here. I'm on the air. Yeah. Um, You know, one thing that, w- that I did think was interesting that I was surprised that nobody as brought up done, was that I don't, don't remember the character the of Annie being illiterate
3: yeah I don't think they touched on but that. but then all
2: of a sudden in the new version of Annie she was, and right. I was surprised that nobody was concerned by that that you know all of a sudden there was okay. this major so change among the, the character the looked like I'll and all be of a sudden she't can read it, sure,
3: it just kind of happened without people even acknowledging it that's true and nobody had any. Like okay, I, so didn't, read I didn't read one I didn't read anything know what time it that anyone so had that n- know. N- nobody
2: had anything to say about that hmm I'd be interested to know what Ida thinks about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Oh,
1: about her being illiterate when she was black. But yeah, when but she she was, when, when she, she was, was white, white,
2: we never heard that she couldn't read. Yeah, it was. It was uh, Did anybody even talk about that? Because uh, I went to see it in the theater, and I was like, wait a minute.
1: It was so, um, and I saw Annie so many times. It was a movie I used to watch with my grandmother. I just think that um, racism is so alive. And the, the other side that is so angry about it being brought to the attention, like the white lives matter people are hilarious to me. As if we don't know the fuck that white, white lives matter, the whole world is set up for white people to win all the time of course white lives matter the world says
2: so right every life matters is really what it is
1: fucking life matters but white people are not being accosted and mistreated for being white and if they are now those are isolated incidents it's not institutionalized it's not something that you you don't there is no such thing as you going through those things in life for being white because you were never a victim of slavery and never no one ever told the world that you were three-fourths of or three quarters of a human being three-fifths of a human being I, i can't even think right now it's just so fucking annoying but it's everywhere it's in every single thing that we see and that we we are fed constantly through the media the magazines the television and i don't understand why white people that get upset about this get upset you are winning you are on every cover of every magazine the majority of every tv show you are the standard of beauty the standard of intelligence the standard of winning Why is it that you are offended when black people want just to be treated just the same? It's so annoying. It is so annoying. Excuse me for the moment, but it's so fucking annoying. Go, Jake.
3: Okay, so I think they just made her illiterate in it just so it could be more inspiring and like you could be like, oh, anyone can overcome anything. I don't think they thought it through like what it was going to actually look like at the beginning to have a...
2: I'm not saying that it was, in fact, deliberate. I'm just saying that it's funny to me that nobody made that association. Like I hadn't, I, I hadn't heard that spoken about publicly. So just based on the conversation that we were having about people jump to conclusions about what comes out of our mouths and how we view the world based on you know one word or two words or three words without really getting to know. So that was sort of the point I was making.
1: I, I just think that they, they probably felt it was more believable that the black little orphan girl didn't know how to read. And I do think that even though your intention wasn't to to imply racial, that there was a racial implication, but I think that the negligence behind that sometimes is... You know, there's a responsibility to promote positive images about everybody. And when you exclude certain people, if you didn't do it in the original, there was no need to do it. You could have still told the same story because the story was about the little girl bonding with the with the billionaire who didn't have a sense of, you know, of of, he he just wasn't grounded and wasn't connected. And the little girl was the one that brought him to life. Right. They should have kept it
2: the same. I mean, Lord knows we didn't need Jamie Foxx doing that music video in a helicopter. No. Or the private plane or whatever it was we should have stuck to the original
1: I, I thought I, I actually liked the original better.:
3: Yeah, I like the original better too. I mean I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon or something, but the music was better in the original like oh in yeah. this one like they, they were caught up in what the beat sounded like in the in Annie, they were caught up in what the words meant yeah. and um, that if this movie's trying to make a mo- a point about illiteracy and like you know like what words are worth then they've kind of undercut themselves by just adding a hip-hop beat underneath something and saying, like, well, this is what kids are into now. Well, why don't you put some words that people can walk out of there saying to themselves that, like, give some inspiration or something that's going to make your life better as opposed to...
1: And it's, and it's an insult to today's people because people today still love classic music. Like, I, I there is no... The, the Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow does not have to have... Uh, Tomorrow does not have to have a hip-hop beat for me to appreciate it, for my daughter to appreciate it. It's a great song. People listen to the songs of Wicked. They listen to the songs of Rent. They listen to the songs of the lion king and they love them just the way they are nobody needs you don't need to put a synthesizer or you need to put auto tune for us to like it that's an insult i think the music of annie is what made it but i also think the little girl that played annie the original girl was a strong vocalist i don't think quivaginae is a singer like no, that i you don't much.
2: i don't think quivaginae ha- will have an album anytime yeah, soon, yeah but, but in, th- in that
3: case like it's a movie you fake it it's not like she's on stage where she's going to be exposed
2: right. and be show that she can't do what they're having her do they could have faked it and made it look like she's singing these songs legit. Well, I'm poor Cameron Diaz and Rose Byrne. I mean, that was painful. Oh, yeah. And you know that they had to like they probably stayed away from early screenings because there's no way you could see that and then show up at a premiere and smile. Yeah. But I mean, and I like both of those actresses, but come on.
1: But you like you like the show tunes of hello. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so how could what, me and show tunes? <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. So Josh is the author of this book called Porn Again, which is a juicy, juicy, juicy memoir. And um I I okay, so I met uh Josh and I were testing for a TV show together. And um as
2: as is everyone in LA. <laughs> as is everyone. And we actually
1: but well, we actually made it to like the stu- to a to a soundstage when right, we recorded. Right. And we were um Surrounded by a bunch of people, but there was a, a Josh is the one that I walked away with here. Like usually I connect with people, and I'm like, I'm very you know outgoing, and I like people, but him I took with me because he was so honest and uh, and real about um, life outside of Hollywood that I was like, oh, that's somebody I want to be involved with tomorrow. And um,
2: Look at you bridging back to Annie. You're so talented. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I just feel like, um, so anyway, then we talked about his book. We went to dinner, and I started reading, and it's pretty juicy. <laughs> and uh, and you know what? The, his vocabulary is so extensive. <laughs> I was so taken by that because english is my second language so when i learned to speak english I, I went for the big words all the sat words and so when i see them in the book i'm like oh because i used to walk around when i was little if i had my druthers and my friends in the in the hood would be like you better than-. what's a druther I, so um i want uh, let's talk about the book let's okay. talk about how this all came about okay
2: uh, you know, I worked uh, in entertainment for about 17 or 18 years before before this, and I sort of always had this dream of writing a book, and I just sort of got to this point where I was at a crossroads, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to continue working within the studio and network system. I, I feel like, you know, somebody who grew up with not the best self-esteem, mm-hmm. you know, being in the entertainment business is, in a way putting yourself back in the pathway of that. Right. You know, it's not, it's not the best thing for your, you know, it's, it's a very hard business to work in if you already aren't the most confident person. And so, you know, I thought that it was just sort of the right time in my life. I was turning 40 and, you know, I, people always argue with me that that's not halfway or that's not midlife. And I'm like, well, then what is because, <laughs> then what is old, <laughs> right. if, well. you know? I say it's about the halfway mark, and I just sort of felt like it was time to um, get my story out there and finally be myself. And um, the a book is the way I wanted to do it.
1: So where did you come up with this title? Because this title, I mean, I went with you. I went to dinner with you, mm-hmm. and you had on the shirt, yeah. and the and the waitress was like, "What? What is this? Tell right. me about it."
2: Not that I'm a marketer or anything. I know. <laughs> um, the title is really. Um, you know, I did sort of go through a rebirth in a way and become my own person, I think, at this stage in my life. and there are a couple of stories in the book where porn play plays a, a part. One was when I was sort of in the closet and just sort of learning about my sexuality and mm-hmm. how I used porn um, as a surrogate for a, a live human and it was sort of what i how I learned to be how I learned about how gay people are intimate with each other. So to, to some degree, it was a lifeline for me in that way. Um, then I wound up dating a porn star, uh, and that story has a somewhat tragic ending, unfortunately, which is in the book. And then towards the end of the book, I tell a story about going to the pleasure chest, which is a mm-hmm. adult I've store. I've been there before. And bringing my parents, who are two 70-year-old cotton-top Jewish people from the East Coast, To the pleasure chest with me because I was buying some cards, some funny cards. And um, I decided to go look at some porn, and my parents wound up finishing looking at the cards and coming around the corner and finding me looking at the porn. And they said, Well, we're treating today, so you have to pick one. These are $60 a piece. The Mm -hmm. only thing they were concerned about was the price of the porn. There was no embarrassment, there was no shame to it. For the first time in my life, I felt. I felt like I was totally myself. So, as silly of a story as it is to bring your parents to a porn shop, it was sort of a wake up moment for me. And so, that's really where the title comes from.
1: And, um, okay, so, you know, some people, you call it a memoir, some people call it like a tell all book. We're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back with. Horn again.
2: <laughs>
1: Josh is looking really hot on my cover. You see that?
2: I know I need to get back to that. Yes, awesome. Um, we'll be right back. Call us.
1: 855-878-4652. We get the tweets, but we can't respond until so after the show. So call
0: us. Hey, I'm Dean Kane, and you are watching T Radio
3: V. I'm watching it too right now.
0: Seriously. Okay. <laughs> Brad is actually here right now.
3: <laughs> I don't have the white disease. What's Whoa! The- I want to see like some a tiny intro. Give me some you got it. You boom. Give me some boom, bro. This is gonna make us money.
0: Ask Robert whose favorite celebrity animals are.
3: Okay. <laughs> animal lovers. All right, everybody, I'm whip, whip your me. out. Everybody, oh. whip it out. We'll be right back. See now it's. Just...
0: Let's do a couple things. Ready? Action. Orton oh monsters! Monsters! <laughs> you. <laughs> Roll it. Oh, that means me. Take, it's take, take your f- out of the screen. unreal. Mine. <laughs>
3: to be honest with you, I like being down there a little more because my head was.
0: <laughs> Candy corn monsters boom! Hi, I'm Kristen Renton, and I don't know what I'm saying. This one's world, world, world animalist. Animal animal right here we go. Oh, I'll just. <laughs>
3: <Unreal. laughs> i Not a real wall.
0: <laughs> I mean, unless you fake it. I had a f- contest on night calls, and they were all peeing everywhere. Everyone's like, can I get another diet coke? <laughs> well, <there's> another yeah. <laughs> we want to <laughs> do more. Hey, hello, hello. This is David Faustino, and you are watching T Radio V. Do you see what I'm saying? It's television crossed with radio. It's all together. It's weird. Radio's in the middle of it. Ah, it's amazing. You're watching it.
2: Go. Love and marriage, love and marriage.
1: Oh, it's my life,
0: ah. Hard times like, yeah. Bad trips like, yeah. Nazareth,
1: I'm f***ed up, homie, you f***ed up. But if God got us, then we gon' be all right. We gon' be all right. <laughs> I'm glad you picked that song Jay. So we're back with porn again. And, um, you know, I, I've been skipping the chapters. I go back and forth. Well,
2: it's written so you can do that. They're, they're interconnected vignettes. So you can read it as one long narrative or you can read it as single servings.
1: And I absolutely love this picture the, on the bookmark.
2: I'm all I'm almost back there. I have about fifteen pounds to go. That's me. We gotta start Maybe hiking. 20. We <laughs> gotta start hiking together.
1: <laughs> but um so I, I I just finished reading this one of the stories about Ricky Lake. Right. And this was about um uh, when she went you guys went to see Rent mm-hmm. and she went and hooked up with some dude. Mm-hmm. Um during intermission, and had uh, protected sex with him, and Mm -hmm. anal sex, the most dangerous type of sex. And I was thinking, um, have you, did you hear from her after the book? No,
2: I mean, she and I hadn't spoken, uh, we we weren't even in touch, um, before I even started putting pen to paper. Um, But that story, you know, and you mentioned before, you know, memoir versus a tell-all. This is not a tell-all book, this is, you no, know it's a, a tell-all to me is you know there's no there's nothing in this book that's about someone else for the sake of telling information about someone else right. it's about me and my story and how I got from e- from one point to the next and in as much as these people were part of that journey they're in there right and if they did not affect the unfolding of my life they do not appear believe me I could write that book right right um, But the reason I put that story in is that Ricky really represents, I mean, that's one person Mm -hmm. who was in my life, and that represents really a lot of relationships that I had. So, that chapter is really um, indicative of a a bigger picture, and, you know, in a lot of ways, I always say I think Ricky deserves more of a thank you than a fuck you, because if it wasn't for her, I don't know that I would have taken stock of the relationships and the friendships that I've ha- I had and realized that some of these people who were toxic for me needed to not be there.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and I, when I read it, that's, that's what I got from it. Right. I, I mean, and I've been in similar relationships where yeah. those people that are like that, those really toxic people, they fall in love with you at the beginning, and they bring you into their world, and then you become part of their inner sanctum, as Correct. you said. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like, oh, snap, I'm special. special She's right. telling me something that's so personal. Right. Then later on you find out that's just how they they operate. Right, you know? and there are
2: a lot of people in, in yeah. L.A. particularly who oh, yeah, yeah. do that, where they're very good at sort of spinning this web and bringing you into it. And sometimes by oversharing information that seems particularly personal, uh, they get you in because, like you said, you think, wow, you know, I must be, th- th- this, people, this person sees my worth. Yeah. He or she sees the value in having me around. And why else would, would she be telling me such personal details, you know? And I met her only a week ago. You yeah. know, now I know that that's a big red flag yeah. and I'm very careful. So, you know, lesson learned. But um, as I said, you know, that's not specific to any one person. There are many people who do that, you know, oh, who, yeah. are, who are charming to that degree and sort of, you know, pull us in that way.
1: Absolutely. And anybody I think that projects the idea that they have an inner circle is probably an asshole, not an inner circle, but like the in crowd, because right. we all have an inner circle. But anytime you project that the the group of people that you roll with have a bigger value or a greater value than other humans usually indicates that you're probably an asshole.
2: Well, the entertainment business is great at breeding that.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: you know, and we who work behind the scenes uh, you know, are a- also good at perpetuating that for people because mm-hmm. we, you know, continue to to create that illusion for celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I would say is is that, you know, you're dealing a lot of times when you're dealing with famous people, and this is not all famous people, mm-hmm. so I right, say right, it with right. a big generalization, but you know, you're dealing with people where there's at least a small level of narcissism and they're used to their they're used to the world spinning around them and it's okay for them to tell a story and it's okay for them to reveal things about you. But as I say in the books, some animals are more equal than others. Yeah. And they see themselves as You know, it's okay for them to do things, but it's not okay for you to do things or you to have those feelings or you to articulate those feelings. So, and I was somebody who always felt, um, you know, growing up I was bullied severely and I always felt that I was less than. Right. And so there was an element of it for me. Well, wow, here are these people that the rest of the world thinks are special and they think I'm special. So now all of a sudden, all of those people who made fun of me for years are wrong. Like they just didn't see, it took somebody so uniquely special to see that I'm special. And of course, that's a, that's a very dangerous way to think.
1: Out of all of the people in this book, famous, not famous, right. who would you say is the greatest lesson? Who was, what person taught you the greatest lesson in life?
2: Um, well, I, I think that that Today. honor is sort of shared by a few people. I think my parents mm-hmm. were, um, who I think are um, great characters in my story. Mm-hmm. Um, were particularly good at making me feel, even though I was being made fun of outside the home and I worked overtime to not let them know that, but they were always very accepting and very supportive and always were my champions, so I would say them. And then there was also my uh, junior high school English teacher, Mm. Sylvia, who unfortunately committed suicide, Um, but we were very close and I think she uh, taught me a lot
1: well, that's another place where you and I connect because it was my junior high English teacher, Eunice Davis, who made like a life impact. And you and I meet in that place where we battle with worthiness issues right. because we conduct ourselves uh, from our core and our humanity. And it's, it's really hard when you, are sur- when you are surviving amongst the wolves because so yeah. many people in Hollywood will just trample over you I'm just to get where they're going. Where my yep. was. So I, I get it. Um, so we're gonna take another break and we're gonna come back. And is that what the music is? Oh okay. And then uh, we're gonna come back eight five five eight seven eight four six five two. I'm well, sitting here with Josh Savarra and we're talking man. about City. <laughs> porn again. I was entering a new one. A uh, war
0: that was based on apartheid and discrimination. I'm Holly, and this is Michael. We're on Love Life on T Radio V every day. No!
3: (laughs) Every Tuesday. (laughs) Tuesdays. Every day, I try to get her to have a love life. But every Tuesday, where you can watch us and hear us, only one place.
1: Only hear
0: him, though.
3: 5 p.m. Pacific Time, T Radio V. We're gonna talk about love, relationships, intimacy. There'll be some sex, but not between us.
0: No, I don't have sex with him.
3: Not often. You're single. We're gonna share with you what to do if you just want booty calls (gasps) or be in a relationship. Oh, you know you like booty calls. I do. (laughs) What's it like to be in a relationship? We always say you have to be a strong me before you can be a great we. One place right here, Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Pacific, only on T, Radio V, right? Yep. Cool.
0: Brad is actually here right now.
3: (laughs) I don't have the white disease. Whoa! Give give me a I want to see some tiny intro. Give me some boom. Give me some boom, bro. This is going to make us money.
0: Ask Robert whose favorite celebrity animals are.
2: Okay. (laughs) animal
3: lovers.
2: All right, everybody whip your out. Everybody whip it out. We'll be right back. See, now it's.
0: Let's do a couple things. Ready? Ready? Action. Oh, Oh, monsters! monsters. (laughs) Monsters! You. <laughs> oh, that means me. Take a okay, of the great.
3: unreal mind. <laughs> to be honest with you, I like being down there a little more because my head was.
0: <laughs> Candy corn monsters, boom! Hi, I'm Kristen Renton, and I don't know what I'm saying. We're, this From one's World, world, world Animalist.
3: Animal right? Here we go. Oh, I'll just. Oh, on a unreal wall. <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> I mean, unless you fake it, I had a contest on night calls, and they were all peeing everywhere. Everyone's like, can I get another Diet Coke? Yeah. <laughs> we want to do more. Hey, on my mama, nigga. RIP Pat Dog. I'm going to be the greatest to ever do this shit. On oh, my mama, don't like. On the dead on <laughs>
1: We're, me and Jake, we're going for the controversy. We're waiting on the, the trolls bitch, to come for me. us. Right, Jake? <laughs>
2: between Jake. That picture is not playing around. I love it. <laughs>
1: between us, we will handle those motherfuckers that come for us. <laughs> that
2: I, was a promotional image for the book. For, it was. Yes. Who's that gentleman? His, he's a porn, uh, porn star. His name's Johnny Hazard. He's a lovely, lovely guy, and he was um, very nice to be supportive of my book.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. so let me ask you this. Do you have any regrets about what you put in this book?
2: Any? I don't, I don't live my life with regrets at Mm -hmm. all. I mean, ever since I, you know, I think I'm somebody who was very guarded and didn't share a lot before I came out. And, you know, I came out, as you know, from the book, I came out late. I was 31. I was a virgin until I was 31. Um, And I think. And then you got it cracking. And then I made up for lost time. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's. It's, it's hard to explain you know I, once you're living your life authentically you know I think there was a period of time where I was so careful and guarded and wouldn't say this and wouldn't say that and I was you know on a scale of one to ten I was a zero and now I'd say I'm a 12. Right. You know once you are once you've decided to be yourself and be happy with who you are then it's no regrets it's you know you do mm-hmm. what you do you are who you are and if people don't like it well you know what there's right. a lot of things that people didn't like before I came out. But now I'm being myself.
1: Well, I mean, I read it and I read it from like a, the most the gentlest place because I, you know, I was raised by a man that was gay. And then mm-hmm. I have um, I have a best friend that, you know, I've known was gay since he was little mm-hmm. and then didn't come out until his 20s and thought we were shocked and we would we would ostracize him. But even my own battle, like coming from a religious background, mm-hmm. where so much shame had been put on me about sexual stuff, and I was sexually abused, so mm-hmm. that guilt of that oh, w- yeah. it was my fault. So reading like your journey, especially mm-hmm. when when you talk about yourself as a child and the stuff that you dealt with, with your sexuality and the knowing that you were
2: different right.
1: is, not, is something that I can relate to, right. you know? And well, I'm, I
2: think the book is relatable to people you know sort of across the board you don't have to be gay it doesn't it, right, it's right, a, right. you don't have to be a sh- like whatever wherever the shame comes from we all in some way or another have ta- have been taught that certain things are okay or certain things are not okay and even if we're thinking them or doing them like we shouldn't be acting on them you know and my whole thing is about you know I don't want to live my life ashamed you know I want to no. be who I am and there's no shame in being who you are no matter who you are. And that's sort of what the book is. It's really a coming-of-age story. Well,
1: I love that the first chapter, you come right with a bang.
2: Well, you can't have a book called Porn Again that doesn't open with a bang, so to speak. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, it sort of gives you, it sort of sets the tone and the Mm -hmm. fact that even when there are darker moments in the book, you know, I I look at everything, you you know, through the lens of humor. So as as bad as it gets, or as down and dirty as it might get, I have a sense of humor about all of it.
1: No, I thought it was so funny. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm still well reading. coming from
2: you. That's a compliment. No, it's because one of the funniest people I know.
1: No, look, Jake <laughs> makes me laugh every week. Comedians don't make me laugh. You know, we had a show in here. How many comedians did we have in here that day?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> There's too many, too many, <laughs> <It's> fifty. <laughs> I don't know. It was a lot. And it's how many a, comedians does it take? To oh, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> lot. We had
1: about fifteen, twenty in here but you know like the i guess when comedians work for the for the laugh you know they Mm -hmm. work for the laugh the people that make me laugh are the ones that are just being themselves like i find humor and that's what makes me laugh i i I can't sit around someone who's like do you know look at me look at me right but that's what i thought was so refreshing because i thought that the humor was was a key component in keeping you interested in the book and softening the blows,
2: right, as it were,
1: right. You know, and I think that that was just um, that's a good way to talk about things that are heavy, right? And, be, and you know, when you can laugh at something that's really, really heavy, and and still say, you know what, I I, I get that, I felt that before. I well, know like the that.
2: moment, like I don't know if you saw the the moment where um, I'm in. School and my father is a urologist, and so the schools used to have my father, they used to invite him in to do the birds and bees talk. Yes. For the boys and girls, and they would separate. You know, the boys would go to one room, and the girls would go to another, and here I'm being bullied by all of these boys, and they're saying, you know, you don't belong with the boys, you should be with the girls, or, you know, your father likes to look at penises all day too. It must run in the family. Like, things like that. But meanwhile, I mean, how can you not smile and laugh at, no matter what your situation is at being in school and having your parent come in to talk about penises and vaginas while you are there. That's I mean is there anything that could be more mortifying than that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there is and I had to sit there while my father talked about nocturnal emissions yes. and um, premature ejaculation and, and you name it. Like wh- What a hard-on was. You just want to die. <laughs> literally just want to crawl under a seat and die.
1: I thought it was <laughs> darling, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a moment where, yeah. you know, it
2: was really, at that time, it was really such a dark, horrible thing for me because right. of being bullied. But yet, through the, through the rearview mirror of time, I mean, you cannot not think of that story and just laugh. Yeah. Like, can you even imagine, like, well, being in school and your parent coming in and that happening?
1: No, because my mom would come in and say, First of all, you little bitches do not need to get <laughs> pregnant because nobody wants to be a grandmother when she's 30. So you need to close your legs and stop talking to these little boys and looking for your daddy because your daddy's never coming back. That would be my mom's <laughs> speech.
0: And
3: I got kicked out in like third grade because my shorts were so small that my balls were falling out. <laughs> uh- Wait a
2: minute. It's usually the girls who get sent home for for clothing. But girls' balls don't fall out. I hate to tell you
3: this porn (laughs) again. we were just talking (laughs) about the the whole transgender revolution. And there are plenty who do. (laughs) uh, No, they don't. Hey, uh, because it's not girls. It's fake. Um, Hey, Ida, do you have anything you want to say for us
1: today? Oh, I'll say it for you. I am going to talk about privilege. Uh, Because we keep having the same argument over and over again about what is white privilege. And I said I would explain it the best way that I can because I think that to beat a white person up for not understanding that they benefit from white privilege is senseless. It's just as bad as what's going on elsewhere. We have to learn to have a dialogue where we can help people understand what we're talking about without accosting them and being... Um, you know, just being ignorant and angry. That doesn't get us anywhere. So I, I thought about a way to explain it. And so my my way of explaining it is this. My grandmother, I was my grandmother's favorite grandchild. Always have been. From the day I was born, she's always made it very clear that I am the I've always been the light of her life. And my grandmother always made me feel special. She had many other grandchildren that she loved, but she did not love those grandchildren like she loved me and so when we would have family dinners she would always fix my plate first and I was I would always get what was best so we were having steak I would get the best steak if we were having fish I would get the biggest fish anything and so one day uh, my cousin was visiting from Boston because her father died and she got uh, the bigger steak and her plate was fixed first and I lost it. I lost it because I felt like she was taking what was mine, rightfully mine, which wasn't, because my grandmother should have treated all of her grandchildren the same. So that is what white privilege is to me. You get in an uproar when you don't get the benefits that are unjustly given to you in the, fir- in the first place because you're so used to them. So when you see that somebody else is trying to get treated equally just like you, you lose it. And that is what white privilege is to me. So I said it for you. And if you have an issue, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like, I'll be your Huckleberry. Ida Rodriguez and I'll say it for you. So, we gotta find out where um, we can find you, Josh. Where does everybody find uh, you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Josh Sabera, S A B A R R A. Instagram is the same, or Facebook, it's Josh Sabera Author. You um, have some friends. Yeah, friends. You have quite. And a I'm always accepting more.
1: Funny, Ada, we gotta have Josh back. Cause, uh, I'm sure there's gonna be a part two to this. And um, FunnyAida, A-I-D-A I am at San Manuel Casino with the Shaq Comedy All-Stars this Thursday. Please come on. The 11th, I'm in Vegas with the Heavy Hitters. And um, I will be in Houston on the 18th. Go to my website, find out where you can get tickets. And, uh... Jake, where can they find you?
3: Oh, you can find me at Jake Belcher GTA on um, Twitter and all that jazz. You can also start checking out my show here on T radio V Wednesdays at 7 PM. So uh, come on by. We have a different flavor, but we keep it real too.
1: Okay. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk about health and fitness and how to make over yourself from the inside out. Um, and, uh, it's been by
0: jake my i tell you
3: are watching radio me radio MTV